Welcome, Pudding People, to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. I'm your host, Ken Seymour. Today we got something a little different for you. We're going to divide and conquer. We're going to bring two episodes to you for the price of one. I'm going to start us off with a little bit of talk about Shazam! Fury of the Gods. Do a little review, a little bit of fun, and then afterwards... Richard is going to take over and tell you about all the thrills and fun that you can have in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. But let's get going and just kind of dive right into it. Uh, Shazam! Fury of the Gods came out in theaters not too terribly long ago as of the time of this recording. And it came out to very little fanfare. Um, uh, even Zachary Levi uh, had mentioned that he felt that maybe the... Uh, the prep for the movie was not quite what it could have been. Um, I know I didn't see a ton of advertising for it. It didn't seem a lot was put into it. But then again, with the DC reset, you know, what are you going to do? Um, and it's, it's really kind of sad. I've, I've enjoyed certain aspects of the current incarnation of DC and, you know, not others. Um, but one of the bright spots was the previous Shazam film. Um, and I going into this film with the hopes that it will be something very similar. As always, we will be ranking this film on a scale of 1 to 100, uh, just like you could get on all of your assignments when you went to school, if you went to a normal school. Not one of those ones where they gave you uh, pictures of animals uh, instead of grades. I'm just imagining those exist. May not be a thing. Probably not a thing. That could have been the dream that I had last night. But like I said, 1 to 100, we're going to Sub just dissect it into multiple entries, uh, talking about cast, director, costuming and props, location, score, cinematography, plot and writing, and any bonus points that we want to throw into it. Um, so let's just get going uh, right into it. We're going to start at the very beginning, and we're going to talk about the cast. Now, the cast of this film is mostly returning from the first film, uh, which was already fairly stacked. I mean, it's... Anything with Zachary Levi in it, I kind of want to see anyway. I've always liked him. Now, of course, this is not a commentary on anything that, um, you know, is, is what the, the, the actors, the writers, the directors say or do outside of uh, the film itself. I'm just talking about the skill and whether I like the work that the person has done. He was uh, in Chuck, which I absolutely loved. And I just, uh, there's just something about him. I've seen some of his. Uh, work with charity and he's just been fantastic i i love this dude um oh and i also should say before we go too much further that uh there will be spoilers ahead for the film uh so if you haven't seen it yet uh you should definitely see it before you see this and i guess before i go too far we usually give a spoiler free uh little uh review of the film and i'll just say it in a word is it worth seeing in the theaters? Maybe. <laughs> if you're a big comic fan, I think it's fun in the theaters. But for the most part, I think you could wait for it to show up on streaming. Um, but back into talking about the cast. Cast is fantastic. Uh, like I said, they brought out basically everybody that was in the previous film, uh, including Asher Angel re returning as Billy Batson, he, uh, Freddie Freeman being played by Jack Grazer. Um and, of course, Adam Brody being the superhero version of uh, Freddy. But 
there are a couple of additions that were not in the previous film, uh, like Rachel Zegler playing Anthea, uh, Lucy Liu as Calypso, Helen Mirren as Hespera. I mean, this is a stacked, stacked cast. I loved the fact that I got to see Diedrich Bader in the film. I, I'm a huge fan of his. And even though it's just, you know, just for this tiny, tiny, tiny bit, we get to see just a man that is super uh, charismatic and super funny. Um, so I was I was really happy to see him in the film. So they definitely did a great job in casting. They kept everybody for continuity, and they were already good. And the people that they brought in, were some of them legends of the industry, pretty much all of them legends of the industry. And the ones that weren't, you know, just seem like that they have quite a bit of skill and uh, do a great job. Um, so, I mean, really, when it comes down to the casting, there's not much more to say than that. It's, it's about as good a casting as you could possibly hope for. So I'm going to give this one 18 out of 20 for casting. Moving on to the director. This is directed by David F. Sandberg. He was the director of the previous film as well. Uh, you may know him for Annabelle. Uh, you may know him for probably nothing else. Um, <laughs> not, not to be like that, but those are the big ones. Um, now, considering what I saw he did with the previous Shazam film and considering how much the, the companies love to meddle and interfere in what directors do with comic book films because they're such a source of revenue. Um, I was really impressed with the previous film, so I was just kind of hoping he'd keep the same kind of tone, same kind of feel uh, with this particular uh, film, and I believe that, uh, I believe that he did. Um, Basically, in the in the directing side of things, I look for continuity. I look for good editing because uh, I kind of lump editing into this. And I thought that it had a nice, uh, nice ebb and flow. Uh, I didn't feel like there were any instances that were overly slow or anything. Um, I thought that um, I thought that it was clear that he was able to coax the best out of everybody. Um, and get everyone to work together quite well. So, I mean, um, it's, uh, it's, it's, I, there's not much more to say. I mean, he didn't do worse. I thought, uh, I thought that he kept it going. There were, there were a lot of potential pitfalls you could have with a sequel. And I don't think he really fell in for most of them. So, out of 15, I'm going to give him 12, 12 out of 15. Um, Going straight into costuming and props. Costuming and props is always one of my favorite things in a superhero film because that's kind of where a lot of the brightness comes from, a lot of where the character comes from starts with the look. And the costume design from the previous film, the costumes were so bright, so vibrant, just pop on the screen. They kept that same design. When they're there, they just look so fun, so much fun. Uh, the costuming for the the villains of the film, um, kind of more of a traditional um, old world military feel to it. And although I, I have to admit, they, it looked a little weird on Lucy Liu and Helen Mirren. And the more I think about it, it'd look weird on pretty much anybody. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I really don't think I really don't think that's it when you're getting the full armor and the, the helmets and all that uh, the the just the, the the general design is a little awkward but it always was but it works kind of for for what for what they for what they have um, props I mean there's not a ton of props you have the wizard staff is an important prop it looks fine. Uh, <laughs> there's not a whole lot to it, really. Um, uh, I mean, that's really the one, uh, the one power item, the one big thing. There's not a lot of guns or anything like that throughout the film. There's not a lot of, um, other costume adventures. Obviously we have the, uh, appearance of Wonder Woman in the post credit scene and sort of <laughs> in the middle of the film. Uh, so, I mean... Uh, that's kind of standard what it is is what it is sort of a thing. But uh, everybody looked like they're like what they were supposed to be. Nothing stood out just as a sore thumb to me after. Now, this is after a single viewing, obviously. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, just solid. Now, at the same time, um, there's not that one thing that would kind of push it over the top for me and say, okay, that was just an amazing bit of costuming that I didn't see coming, and that was so awesome. So it doesn't quite hit a 10, but still, 9 out of 10 on the costuming. Just great. Um, I loved it. Uh, locations. Um, locations is kind of interesting. I mean, we, we don't have a ton of locations. We've got the school. We've got the house. We've got the streets of the city. Uh, we've got the, um, the otherworldly section of the gods. We've got the... Um, the arena, um, you know, we've got a handful of different locations. Of course, the uh, the Rock of Eternity um, being the most interesting location. So, I mean, for the most part, um, the the stuff in the real world didn't really amaze me by any stretch. I mean, it was okay, it was fine, uh, which would normally start leading me towards kind of a mediocre score. However, the one thing that I feel that they did really, really awesome was their approach to uh, the Rock of Eternity. Uh, I, I feel like whoever put that together just had the right frame of mind. Uh, it was it was just gorgeous. It was it was kind of you know so much fun. What would a bunch of kids and teenagers do if they had a secret layer and? Just the, the the video games and the string lights and the graffiti and the, the just the gaudy nature of it all was so much fun, um, and the 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 fun that they had with the, the room of doors and everything else. That's such a great location to begin with. It can kind of bring up what would normally be kind of a mediocre location. So where I would normally give this a five or six, I'm actually going to give it an eight just because that location was so much fun. Um, the score. Uh, the music was pretty solid. Um, the orchestral work in the background, it swelled where it needed to swell. It stayed quiet when it needed to stay quiet. I mean, it was it was pretty pretty standard comic book fare. Um, the pop culture music that they uh, chose, and I get it in some instances, was meant to be kind of funny, like holding out for a hero. 
okay. It didn't quite work for me. It was it was a little too on on the nose. I don't know if that's the right phrase in this instance, but it's okay for a movie to be recognizing of itself what it is and making those wink wink jokes but then stating it in the thing i don't know if this is a music issue or a writing issue i didn't like that plus i just don't like the song very much it's not that it's a bad song it just never clicked with me uh but the fact that it's got a okay in there putting sabotage by the beastie boys in there at any point in any film is great that's going to bring up most films i mean i loved it in the original uh, well, not the original, but the uh, Star Trek remakes. The first of the Star Trek remakes had that in just a perfect spot. It just always kind of gets you going. Um, you, you know, the uh, A Little Less Conversation remix was fun. I mean, it was, it was just kind of fun. So, I mean, all in all, the for the most part, the music that they brought um, enhanced the film. And just gave it a little fun pops where it needed to. It still was basically mediocre, but I have to give it at least a point for sabotage. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a 7. 7 out of 10 on the score. Pretty solid. Uh, cinematography. Um, I think this is an area, like the casting, where this film really shines. Um, because this is where uh, not just the shots, but all the CGI comes to play. Um, all the fights and all the action scenes were clear, which is always important to me. Um, the The colors were bright. Uh, there, there was no real shaky cam. I mentioned that pretty much in every video because of how much I hate that. Um, but uh, the dialogue instances where there's dialogue, they do some little fun moves with the camera to keep it feeling dynamic, even though the individuals are kind of static within it, which is, I don't know if many people caught that, but it was just kind of a fun, fun little motion thing. I, I loved about it. Um, it's, it's CGI was so, it, it was invisible where it needed to be invisible for the most part. And when they went over the top, it was so over the top fun. I mean, the dragon was great. The moving skyscrapers were uh, anytime, um, anytime Anthea used her power, it looked really, really cool. Um, uh, the instances of speed and strength that were shown were just great. The legendary creatures that appeared in the monsters all looked fantastic. Uh, even the, uh, even the unicorns, which they took a slightly different uh, approach to, I thought that was really nice in the design of those. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Minotaur looked great. The Cyclops looked great. They all looked great. Um, I thought this is one of the better instances of CGI because I guess part of it is you're not looking for it to feel real when you're dealing with mythology. So it gives you a little more of a free reign. But even with that... It was, it was really, really fun, really nice. Um, I got to give that one a 13 out of 15. Um, and then to the, to the meat, to the make or break point of any film, the, the plot and the writing. Um, now, this was written by uh, Henry Gaydon and Chris Morgan, 
Now, you may recognize Henry Gaydon as one of the writers from the previous film. Um, so, I mean, it's just kind of a, a nice, again, a nice continuity. And I guess that's one of the reasons we get to feel that the style feels the same. Um, I heard a lot of people give this film a lot of guff. About it's, oh, it's just another superhero film. Nothing in it matters. It's blah, blah, blah. First of all, just stop, people. This is something that I want to tell other reviewers. Just just straight up. Just stop. It's okay for everybody to have their own opinion. And I'm just going to say this right now. It's great. There's no way around it. We're going to. And all of our experiences are going to shape our opinions differently. But this thing that I keep seeing with reviewers wanting to be the first one to say, oh, here's where the MCU is going to start failing, or here is where the the entire uh, concept of superhero films is going to jump the shark, or I want to be I want to be edgy, I want to be on the side of uh, the the whatever. As I'm just just stop, just stop. If you want to say it's like, well, it didn't hit me quite right, that's fine. But I'm seeing these reviews that are saying things that clearly indicates me that you either have not watched the film or ha- don't understand what's going on uh, or are just trying to get a soundbite, and that's not helpful. Um, this is a fun film. Is it the most groundbreaking use of writing I've ever seen? No. Uh, is, it, is it going to win an award? Probably not. But is it a solid couple of hours where we could see some some really fun stuff happen and some character development, some genuine good character development? Yeah. And that's where everybody, I feel, is kind of missing the point. They're looking at this like, oh, it's just another big monster and they're fighting the big bad guys. Yeah. It's comics. It's a comic book film. If you don't get that by now, you're never going to get it. That is the backdrop. That is what everything is going on. Yes, they're fighting the big bad and they're trying to stop the world from ending and they're trying to uh, you know, take out the bad guys or convert the bad guys to good guys or whatever. That is the backdrop. You get to see so much character development. Just think about this. You've got the entire Shazam family, all these characters with all these motivations, in a two-hour film, and you're going to try and give them each a chance to advance their characters in some way, shape, or form. How incredibly difficult is that? It's nearly impossible. I mean, I mean, literally. I mean, for for real, they're gonna they're gonna focus on the Billy Batson and Freddie Freeman characters more because they're kind of at the lead. But the story of anxiety of finding the place that you fit was, well, finding that place was the first film. The anxiety of losing that place, not knowing how to deal with a changing world as through the eyes of a teenager, that's the story. That's where it is. And seeing him go through that, that was done incredibly well. Seeing uh, a, a change in confidence in in the Freddie Freeman character as he's always had this disability. And even though he's got superpowers, he has to hide it. So in his real life, he he wants to be, 
He wants to be accepted. He wants to be, he wants to be loved. That story gets addressed, and he gets to advance through those changes. Um, you get to see Eugene develop a little bit and not just be kind of the, 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 you know, it's like I'm kind of smart kid and that's about it. You get to see more of who he is and what he's trying to do and how he feels he fits in the group. Um, uh, the way they dealt with the, the Pedro coming out scene, that was fantastic. That was great. Uh, it was, it was meant to be, get the initial laugh, but the actual kind of love aspect underneath it was so great where everybody goes, yeah, we all knew it just kind of, it's fantastic. Um, they all got that little bit of development. Even Hansu's wizard character gets that development. And by the way, he's still awesome. He is always awesome in everything. Love that dude. Um, they, they all, they all get a little bit of, of character development and it all happens organically and it doesn't feel forced. Um, and the fact that they approach the writing in this where all these, all these kids and teenagers have these superpowers and they want to help, but they're kids and teenagers. They don't understand stuff. So they make mistakes and they get a bad nickname because they don't know what they're doing and they're doing their best. And of course they get outwitted by not just adults, but gods that have been alive for thousands of years. Uh, yeah, they're going to get outwitted. It's going to happen. Uh, so, I mean, it's just all around. I really liked how everything went. I really liked how, um, the parents being led on to the, the secret of of what their their kids uh, were doing uh, came out. That was really fun. I wasn't real wasn't real geeked about uh, the Diedrich Bader's death scenes. Like, oh man, he's there for a few seconds. You killed him already, but um, you know it's going to happen. Um, just all around it. I mean, I think they addressed it really well. Um, the only thing that I felt it was really kind of missing, and this this is a big hit to a film like this, um, is the Shazam character, or Captain Marvel, as I will always think of him, because that's who he is. Um, he's a kid, and he has people that he has to lean on to become the hero that he's going to become. That's part of the story. And because of the fact that they couldn't get other characters into the film for any extended period to show that that training, that that role modeling that he needs was a real loss. The whole thing with dividing out Black Adam as its own film before establishing it within the Shazam universe was stupid, incredibly stupid. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mostly enjoyed the Black Adam film. It was it was solid, and I like The Rock. But if literally, if Rock, if you're the one that decided that this was the way it should be, I love you, dude. But come on, man, just let let people that understand the comics take care of this, that understand the source material, because. 
Whoever was in, involved with that decision clearly did not understand the source material or the people that are going to be the base, the core motivators to get other people to go to the theaters and watch it with them. Uh, the ones that are going to sustain this particular type of film over time. You've got to take those people into account. Not necessarily cater just to them because you have to have a, a wider audience understand it. But ultimately, if you make the story work for that core audience, it will still work for the extended audience. It, it, it just will. And you cannot separate Black Adam from Shazam as part of the story. It just doesn't work. That's like trying to have, I want to have a Lex Luthor film. We're not going to talk about Superman. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. I'm sorry. Uh, it just is. So that that was a real hit. Um, and it made me sad because I was really hoping after the first Shazam film, it's like, all right, they even hinted it. We're going to get Black Adam in the second Shazam. And then all the shenanigans happen. And it's like, come on, people. We got to stop letting people that whose only motivation is money stop letting them make these decisions because they just do not get it. Um, and that that was a real detraction, but still a really fun film, um, or really fun writing, I should say. Uh, I give that a, a probably a fifteen out of twenty. I mean, even with those two major detractions, it still held its own. It was such a fun film. Um, and this is the point at which we give any bonus points or detractor points. I really only have one, and I'm going to give it an extra point because of the end credits, the second end credit scene, because you kind of established the, the main villain that, that Shazam or Captain Marvel has in the first film, and they give him kind of a way forward with the other major villain uh, from the, the thing other than Black Adam, because they're basically three. So you got the two of them that look like they're going to work together, and now that the DC is resetting, the probability that it's never going to happen is super high. But they still took the time to address it and address it in an incredibly humorous way. It was so funny. And I really appreciated that. It's, it's like the people with the film under, understand what's going on and wanted to give us a little something like, like hey, yeah, this is, this is we, we get it. And, uh, and that's nice. And that was a really good thing. So I'm going to give that an extra point. So when you add that all together, that gives us a grand total of 83, which is the same score that I gave the, the previous Shazam film. I, I felt like I enjoyed it about as much as I did in the first one. Uh, that's pretty rare. Um, but uh, what do you think, listeners? We always love to hear what you have to say. But before you respond, before you go onto our social media to tell us, hey, Ken, you're wrong. This film was awful. Or, hey, Ken, this is the best comic book film of all time. Don't forget, we have Richard coming up next, and he is going to let you know about some really fun stuff, hopefully. <laughs> Take it away, buddy. Welcome, Pudding People, to part two of this week's episode featuring an exciting discussion on one of the Midwest's Hidden, greatest, I don't know how you define it, uh, vacation spots. So those of you who are listening who are in the Midwest are familiar with a little hot spot in eastern Tennessee. Uh, it's a 
combination of a couple little cities, towns, whatever you'd like to call them, Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. Uh, one of the highlights that you'll see in there, of course, is that you're in the, the, the heart of the Smokies, of course. And you have Dollywood as an attraction to the area. So what we're going to discuss today, briefly, and nothing too crazy, is just is a visit there worth your time? If you are going to go there, what are some of the things to look out for? Uh, some ideas, some observations on a recent visit that we had when we went there. Um, first of all, I want to say that, like I said, if you're listening in the Midwest, you've probably heard of this. Now, if you're from a lot of the Midwest places, like uh, we're from Indiana, for example, a lot of times for things like spring break, fall break, summer, uh, the consideration for a trip generally revolves around a beach or a water park. So for a lot of us, that means making a drive or you know taking a flight to Florida. Of course, you have the Great Lakes too, plenty of beaches around there, but you know, generally speaking, very generally speaking, that if you're used to the bland winters of Indiana, that when it time when it gets time to warm up and you have a little free time in conjunction with the kids, you you consider a trip to Florida. I think that's kind of the standard thing. But what if you didn't go to Florida? What is an alternate option? So in the Smokies, there is a big national park and kind of around the outskirts of that national park is a collection of, uh, let's call it business, tourist, you know, you name it, locations. And like I mentioned before, that's going to be largely associated with Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge. And there's other locations around there too. But what you'll find from this place is, and how can I describe this as something that most people will understand. So let's say you go to the, your, your county fair and there's kind of generic rides, cheap rides, maybe fun, maybe not, but like the same collection of rides that you're going to see. And there's fair food and there's entertainment. And if you live in the Midwest, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So, uh, let's do, let's, let's say that these locations are your county fair on steroids. And that might not be the, the, the most uh, fair, that's no pun intended, uh, comparison, but just drive down the main stretch of Pigeon Forge and it's just cheesy shops and places that have rides and go-karts and Ferris wheels and a collection of fast food places and local food places and candy shops and more candy shops. And then you get into Gatlinburg and it's still the same thing, although maybe a little bit more condensed, maybe a little nicer, I guess you could say, but still the same idea, a collection of shops and random stores that have just the most generic of cheap knickknacks and a couple of nice places and a little bit of everything. Now, 
I, I kind of think the highlight of going to a place like this is the scenery and the mountains and the trees and the, the hills and the foothills and the little bit of little bit of everything. And, and the nice thing about going to both of these locations is you're going to see that type of scenery as a backdrop, uh, which makes taking a trip there have more meaning. Right. So you can do the touristy thing. And, and trust me, this is Midwest tourist heaven. If you can catch my drift here, man, there is so much of this. Just you can walk down the streets, you can drive down the streets and, and, and find like the thing painted on wood carved in stone made into a T-shirt. You know, it's like fair stuff. It, it's kind of that's the best explanation I can get to it. But if you find the places that kind of dive more into the the Smokies, I think you get a little bit more truer experience of what you could what it could actually be. Now, part of that starts with your drive there, and I could be wrong, but uh, I don't see I don't foresee a lot of people flying into this area. Uh, I didn't really look into the lo- the logistics of flying; it didn't really make sense, both financially and time it's only like six hours to drive there where would you fly into is there a big airport in the area uh, i'm not sure you know nashville is a little bit away so you fly into nashville and rent a car and drive there and that would be feasible but for most of us that revolves around driving now if you're going to drive one of the big interstates that kind of cuts through there is going to be 75 whether you're coming from the south or whether you're coming from the north and i can tell you Part of your experience and going there needs to be, not should be, needs to be um, a little visit to a place called Bucky's. Um, Bucky's is, if you've not heard of it, it'd be interesting to look up online. There's lots of locations that started in Texas, but there's a lot of locations through the south. Uh, it might stretch as far north as Kentucky. Uh, but there's one that's just north on 75. There's a couple that are south in Georgia. A- anyway, this place is kind of an absurd gas station on steroids, let's call it. E- easily 100 pumps. Uh, a location inside that has all that kind of cheapo, generic, knick-knack stuff, but an amazing selection of drinks, chips, snacks, jerky for sure. Um, all types of things for you to eat when you're there. I'm a huge fan. They have uh, a lot of barbecue stuff that kind of just pops up all the time. So like just constantly cooking brisket and pulled pork and turkey. Um, and the brisket sandwich is very good. But one of the key things here is the gas prices tend to be a bit cheaper. We're just speaking from a volume standpoint. And the bathrooms are always, in my experience with them, always clean. There's plenty of stalls. There's plenty of privacy. So if you are a weary traveler and you need a place to stop to, one, get gas, two, use the bathroom, it's it's a definite. But three, if you want a snack, you want something to drink. The fountain selection is huge. Tons of coffee. Uh, uh, taffy is, is really good there. They have um, fudge that they make. There's candy, like you can get almonds and cashews. The, I'm, I'm telling you, there's a little bit of everything there. So part of your 
trip to the Smokies is the actual trip to get there, and I would advise it making a pit stop at one of those locations. Anyway, once you're there, it's about where you're going to stay. Now, the obvious choice to that, uh, I felt in the past, would be, hey, there's plenty of hotels, there's plenty of, uh, I won't call them resorts, but they'll call them resorts because they're of the location and proximity to everything and what they've got on the on the grounds while you're there um, but I would actually recommend maybe looking up like a verbo or a, a similar booking agent and getting a cabin up in the hills uh, that's what we did and when we compared the price points for some of those hotels uh, there's a couple of them that are real like real close to Dollywood they'll take you via shuttle right there uh, honestly, the price points were pretty much the same. I guess it depends on when you go, of course. Uh, but where we stayed at also, there were plenty of those locations up the road, down the road. It felt like half of them that were in our area were rentals. So it seems like there's plenty of availability. Uh, our particular rental had a couple be uh, bedrooms, a couple bathrooms, had a hot tub, so plenty of space for kids this one allowed for our dog to come with us so there's there's plenty of options you just gotta you know look into it the drive to get to any of the places that we needed to get to was 10 minutes 15 minutes uh, a recommendation for you if you decide to do that and you're going to go into the hills um, or even you know up into the mountains there's plenty of rental places all over um, you know do some maintenance on your car if we are from Indiana, it's flat and boring here. Uh, but when you get there, especially if you're going to stay, there's a lot of terrain that your car probably isn't used to going up and down and up and down. And so it's a lot of wear and tear on your transmission and your engine. So, you know, maybe change the oil, rotate your tires. You might do that before any road trip anyway, but I, I would recommend maybe focusing a little bit more on that if you're going to stay up in the up in the hills up in the mountains so that that one is a definite fair suggestion okay the other thing the entertainment what are you going to do when you are in the general area and like I said before there's plenty of restaurants and shops and places to just ride a go-kart or walk and look at things or, or whatever and that's fine, but I, I feel like you got to go there with the idea of, hey, we're going to do this for a few of the days, or we're going to do this for a few of the days. So uh, another suggestion is have a moderate game plan. There's plenty of things that you can do. There's plenty of things, ways that you can spend your money on for sure. But just have a little bit of a plan. You know, there's a there's an aquarium. There's a lot of Ripley's attractions that are there. They're all in the kind of the same family, but there's an aquarium there. There's a, you know, the Believe It or Not Wax Museum. There's a lot of the dinner shows that you can do. There's I think there's a Bonnie and Clyde dinner show. Kind of like the uh, medieval times, but just, you know, more southern. Uh, there's a theme, let's say. Uh, there's also, there's a Pirates one. Uh there's lots of different things to do, but get your tickets in advance if you're going to do some of those things. And that makes sense in any vacation that you're going to do, but there's so many individual things to do when you're there. I feel like it's probably a good idea to just go 
moderately prepared. You know what I'm saying? Okay. When you get there, if you're going to stay in a cabin, for example, and you've got a full kitchen, hey, you know what? Uh, grab some groceries, prep your breakfast, you know, eat your lunch, dinner, whatever. Like you have the opportunity to cook and prepare those things with that kitchen. If that's not the case, you're going to be doing a lot of eating out. So where are you going to go? Well, I tell you what, there's a lot of places that are down there and there's a lot of breakfast places, lunch places. Uh, It's hard to describe the types of food, meals. You you think, to to me, I think Tennessee, I think barbecue, right? Because that's one of the things that comes into my mind. Uh, Southern style food. Uh, Some of the times, sometimes those things go hand in hand. But what you'll find is a little bit of everything in the area. And kind of coinciding with that, a lot of those things in the area are are local. And there's some local change and there's some... uh, nationwide chains. So just, I guess if I go on a vacation somewhere, I don't want to eat at a national chain uh, or, or as little as possible. I want to eat at a local place and figure out what is the best place. Well, how do you figure out what the best places are? Well, the internet's a pretty good spot, but can you really trust everything that you read? Sometimes, yes. If you go to a bunch of different websites and this place is in the top five and the next website uh, place is in the top five next. So you're just viewing all these things and just by quantity alone, you're going to get a consensus of a few of the places that are in the top five. That's a good starting point. But uh, another suggestion I would have for you is talk to the people who live there, right? Talk to the people who are local to the area and you'll find some of the hidden spots. Um, I know we had a suggestion before we even went there for a place called the diner and the diner, generally speaking, got pretty good reviews. There's a lot of top 10. If you go for like breakfast items or, or whatever it is, the, the diner showed up quite a bit, but we had a recommendation to go there. And honestly, it was very average at best, while also being significantly more expensive than all the other places. So, you know, we got burned on that one a little bit, I felt. It wasn't awful. It was just there was plenty of other places that you could go that were better and and have money more well spent, let's say. Uh, One of the highlights that we did find in the area was the Applewood Farmhouse. Now, there's a couple, the Applewood Farmhouse has a a couple locations that are just basically right next to each other. There's Applewood Farmhouse Restaurant, there's a grill. But anyway, great breakfast items, um, great people, price points a little bit more honest there than maybe at some of the other locations. They have a nice shop to go through. So that place was actually a really good highlight. And once again, that was one that we had found kind of throughout all the recommendations. That was a very consistent location in the recommendations online. So we went there. And let me see, one other place that we went to was the Alamo Steakhouse. That was a recommendation from one of the servers uh, at the Applewood restaurant. So that one was pretty good, too. 
Uh, that was more of a local chain. There's a few of those in the, in the area. So I guess what I'm saying is do some research, talk to the people that live there who have to eat there, you know, year round, and they'll get you a good idea on some, some places to go for sure. Uh, but just be wary of some of those places. Price points have gone up everywhere. Food's more expensive anywhere you go. You can't get away from that. But uh, don't let some of those places take advantage of you. Uh, one, well, okay, two more points about food. One, where we are at, there aren't really a whole lot of chain donut places where we used to live uh, back in the day when we lived in suburbs in Chicago, you know, Chicago likes their Duncan and there is a, there is a, a newer Duncan in town, but you know what? We don't frequent it. It's not been open that long. We're, we're more accustomed to the, the local donut places for us here in town. And there are, there are definitely those local donut places, but uh, one of our favorites when we lived in Chicago, we'd drive past the Krispy Kreme, and the Krispy Kreme would have the light on, and you could go in and get a hot donut. And I'm telling you, those those donuts, the hot donuts right out of the fryer, uh, they are delicious. There is a Krispy Kreme in that area, and if you're lucky enough to drive past there at night, there is... We went there a couple, drive past it a couple times. We had to kind of pull a U-turn so we could go back because they had the light on. Um, a sneaky little thing about that, it's not, it used to be a big thing. Uh, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, if the light was on, you could just go into Krispy, Krispy Kreme and get a hot donut. And now that's not discussed very much, uh, but it's still 100% a thing. So if you're in an area that has a Krispy, Krispy Kreme, uh, please go there when the light's on and get a hot donut. Um, anyway, that was a little, little side thing that we had there. We went a couple times and we were only in the area for like four or five days. So anyway, another item of note when it comes to food, and this is important for you soft drink, soda drinkers, pop drinkers, whatever location that you're in, if you call it pop or soda, this is a Pepsi area. It is not a Coke area. Everywhere you go is Pepsi. Pepsi, without a doubt, Pepsi. And the thing that's really curious about that is that this is a huge whiskey place, right? Um, it's a You're in a spot where there are distilled spirits everywhere. That'll be a little secondary discussion. But what I'm saying with that is, generally speaking... If you're going to get a beverage that is whiskey-based, bourbon-based, I kind of think of it as, a, like, let's go generic, a Jack and Coke, a Beam and Coke. And that's the, the standard. Like, that's what you would get as a, as a mix-in. A, a Jack and Pepsi, maybe that's delicious. I don't know. But it just seems odd that, that whole, I mean, I'm telling you, every place you go there is Pepsi. You have to go to a gas station if you're going to get uh, any type of Coke products. It's actually kind of comical. Uh, but that's important. If you, when we're talking about planning, right, there's plenty of gas stations to get a fountain Coke at. But, yeah, lots of Pepsi in the area. 
Um, one, ooh, side highlight. There was a lot of squirt on fountains at Bucky's and the loca- the gas stations in the area. So that's just, that's super awesome to me. It's my favorite drink. Soft drink, let's call it. Um, let's move on to a little bit of the entertainment. I mentioned before, one of the places that is there is, of course, Dollywood. And I think that, I don't know, maybe people have a perception of what Dollywood is going to be like. And I tell you, if you're if you're a big fan of theme parks, let's call it, honestly, Dollywood's pretty solid. So I get I get an air of certain vibes when you go to Dollywood. Now if you live in Indiana and you've been to Southern Indiana, there is a place that's in uh, Christmas. Yes, there's a place that's Christmas, Indiana, and it's Holiday World. And Holiday World is a nice place to go. They have a water park. They have some rides. It's If you can't go to Chicago, you can't go to St. Louis to a theme park, you can't go to Cincinnati to a theme park, like this is a nice little alternative to go. I get some of that vibe from Dollywood uh, in terms of how the things are maintained. Now, here's the thing about doing a theme park that's in the Midwest in March. Um, you know, they generally speaking, they're not going to be open during the winter, right? It's, it's kind of not possible. Uh, going in March just depends on the weather. It could be rainy, could be gross, could be cold. Actually, we were pretty lucky. It wasn't really that cold and the, there was no rain on that day. But we kind of have a, a skewed presentation because we went on opening weekend. So the park, of course, was going to be in good shape. It was going to be well staffed because you're going to pump all that energy into the first couple days that the park is open. But, you know, from what we saw, the park was clean. It was maintained. The bathrooms were nice. Um, Plenty of things to shop for. There's plenty of shirts and candy and all that type of stuff. Of course, there's going to be that at a theme park. But I I can tell you that the rides were honestly pretty solid if you if you go to a theme park for rides uh, you won't be you won't be disappointed don't expect to spend you know the entire day they're just going on rides and going crazy there's a handful of rides there that are really good um, there's smaller rides for smaller kids uh, there's plenty of food of course but legitimately the food that we had at the park honestly was really good uh there's some cinnamon bread there's barbecue those are some of the highlights that you'd go to there Uh, even the person when we took the tram from the parking lot said get some cinnamon bread and of course the cinnamon bread's really really good uh but you're gonna have to wait in line for it overall if you've got the time and the money and it's a place that you've thought about going to you want to go i would say dollywood's a good spot of entertainment for the whole family um not as expensive as other theme parks would be, uh, but still uh, a day's worth of entertainment and plenty of good food and a good a good time 
for, I don't know, for pretty much everybody, big kids, little kids. You know, honestly, we saw a lot of, um, we saw a lot of high school aged kids there, uh, that were there as large groups from school or from, uh, maybe some other events that were going on in the area. So there was a little bit of everybody at the park, um, if, like I said, I don't, what I call it a destination, like I've got to go to Dollywood. I don't know if I'd say that, but if you're in the area and that's a way to kill a day, for sure it's worth it. Um, okay, so now we need to move on to some other discussions. Uh, I mentioned before, hey, we're in a whiskey area. Well, let's find out a little bit about that. Generally speaking, the area is dominated by bourbons and whiskeys. I mean, that's kind of the whole region. But since we are in the mountains, moonshine is the popular item. And I will say that the moonshine category has kind of taken over a bit in in the national spotlight, I guess you can say. Um, you know, from shows on TV kind of highlighting the you know, the behind the scenes of doing the illegal moonshine business um, to moving that business into the mainstream. What we see in this area is the old smoky uh, distillery, let's call it, has got a real popular foothold. And there are three locations throughout this area that you can go to, two of them pretty easily on in Gatlinburg where you just as you're walking up and down the street looking at all the shows and the food and all that other stuff, you can go in. They have this terrific large showroom. They have tastings, uh, tastings, samples. Uh, I don't know exactly what you'd call it. Anyway, you pay five bucks. You get a run through like 10 different of, of the little tiny sips of their product. And then you get a $5 off coupon to buy more of their product. And they definitely have moonshine they have different flavored whiskeys so if you are a drinker you will be uh, in good hands in this area plenty like it it's it's almost the highlight of the area in in a certain sense because if you want to go there to vacation with your family uh that's one thing if you want to go there where it's just a couple of adults or a group of adults, or I, I definitely saw a couple of wedding parties that were there, and you want to be able to drink and do your thing, that that is not going to be an issue with you, with, with that at, at all. There's plenty of bars and alcohol all over the place. Um, you know, if you're not a drinker and you're a, a smoker or a, a dabber or an edibles person, you know, what you'll find in the Midwest is that that category of entertainment's got a lot of restrictions depending on where you are. Definitely illegal in Tennessee. Uh, however, and I'm only bringing this up because as you walk down the streets, you will see a couple grow room. You'll see a couple storefronts, multiple storefronts selling a, a, a variant uh, Delta nine, Delta eight. I, I don't know. There, there's something in the, in the law. So if you go back into the history of marijuana, they categorized hemp in there too, as a schedule one, and it's been illegal to grow for you know, ever. 
even though back in the day, United States was one of the world's top hemp producing countries. So for things like fibers and clothing and, and, uh, paper, stuff like that, rope. Anyway, uh, now that's back to being legal. So in Indiana, Tennessee, places like that, you can, you can grow it. You can, you can grow hemp. You can raise it, farm it, all that type of stuff. Um, a nice renewable crop that you could just kind of keep going and going and going on. Anyway, there's some legal verbiage loophole that allows them to harvest a subcategory of the THC properties. And I don't, I'm no scienceologist, but that stuff plastered all over the street. So if that's your thing, then you even have the opportunity to partake in that. But uh, overall, the, the energy, the crowd was, was big. We were there for the kind of the first weekend, uh, like I said, of Dollywood. But for, for us, it was the first weekend of spring break. And there's a, there was a lot of people there, although I will say there was probably more people there later on. And it'll be much more populated during the, the summertime when it's, you know, a lot nicer to be out and about. But even with all the people, there wasn't a lot of waiting. There wasn't a lot of things that we had to do to kill time. We could go to places fairly comfortably. You know, the we, we did take a trip to the aquarium, and that aquarium there is fine. It's nothing special, but it's fine. It was pretty crowded. There was a lot of families in there, and it's not a very big aquarium, so there wasn't a whole lot of room to maneuver there. But walking down the streets as busy as they were, that seemed to be fine. Um, I think I mentioned before about one of the highlights of the area being the mountains and the views that you can get. Uh, one thing that I would suggest, once again, whether you're there for kids, whether you're there for adults, if you want to go have a drinking party on the top of a mountain somewhere, you know what? Uh, there's plenty of opportunities to do that. We went on a, a, a mountain, a peak, uh, the company that owns and runs it, it's called Anakista, and you can take a lift all the way up to the top, but once you get up to the top, there's actually some really nice, well-maintained stores, viewing areas, bars, you know, restrooms. And they even have, once you get up to the top, you can you can go and do things for kids and adults. There's, there's plenty of both, but the views are excellent, excellent up top. And they have a tower that you can kind of climb up to get even higher to... To, to view a 360 view of the area and it's pretty incredible now like I said we went there in in March so the beginning of spring break not a lot of foliage out right so not a lot of greens from the trees uh, everywhere but there's still plenty of great views there was one day that we were there that it actually snowed on the mountaintops and so you could see it driving driving around it had a nice white peak to it so that was pretty neat um but yeah up on that tower on the anakista property you could look any direction and see for miles it was it was pretty nice and i'm not telling you to go to that property i'm just telling you that if you're looking for that one there's lots of parking at the base the lift goes up the line to the lift when when we did, it wasn't very long, but uh, subsequent days when we were looking at it, the line was pretty lengthy to, to get up there. But once you get up there, plenty of places to drink, eat, sit and chill, 
So that was a good experience. I would definitely recommend taking the opportunity to take a lift to wherever you decide to go just to kind of sit and chill, take some pictures, uh, hang out with your family, hang out with your friends. It's a great view of the overall surrounding area. Uh, overall, it's a nice vacation place for for most, I would say. And it's no more expensive or affordable than any other place. Um, I would almost I would almost tell you it's a tad more expensive than some other places. So yeah, definitely go with money. That's for sure. Um, you know, depending on where you stay and what your plans are when you go, there, there's just so much to do for everybody. And I think it's worth a trip there, you know, maybe at least once. If you live on the West Coast, are you going to make a 20-hour trip, you know, 30-hour trip to to get to Gatlinburg? Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I bet that place looks phenomenal in the fall. Uh, we have a lot of that around here, lots of reds and greens and oranges, but going there, uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, if you're in the surrounding states and it takes you six hours, eight hours to get there, I think that's worth the drive. But if you're going to make the long haul, eh, that's debatable. Uh, definitely, like I said, come prepared. Uh, go to gas stations for Coke. Uh, if you want to drink, you can drink and bring money. So that's kind of my recommendations. If you guys have any other recommendations, uh, let us know. If you've taken a trip there and you think what I'm talking about is craziness, uh, also give us a holler. Let us know. We'd like some follow-up. But until next time, thanks for chatting with us. Mm-hmm.